Welcome to Vice and Easy, your podcast for all things Miami Vice, with your host, Marina. Hello, and welcome back to Vice and Easy. We are going to get straight into it this week. This week, we're covering Season 4, Episode 2, entitled, Amen, Send Money. Per IMDb, the synopsis is as follows. The wife of a televangelist is arrested on drug charges by Tubbs, who finds himself the target of preacher's vengeance. However, a rival televangelist makes his play. So this episode opens up wildly with Brian Dennehy giving it his all. It's not just a sparkly vest that he's wearing. Please go check the gallery. The gallery is very important this episode. So as always, you can find each episode's corresponding gallery in the description notes. But definitely make sure you look at it this week because there are lots of looks. (laughs) So he seems to be wearing, I couldn't figure out if they were tunics or just crossbody tops, blouses. I'm not sure of the proper terminology, but basically they are men's shirt crisscross with buttons. And (laughs) again, this is a large man when I was looking up details about him, six foot three. So a large man in a power suit talking about what we all want out of life. With the IgG in God's glory message, which is... Feel good. Send money. And just to put this on top of what I've just previously mentioned about his outfit, he's also wearing a white undershirt under this crossbody vest shirt under this suit. He must be boiling under those stage lights. Now, we split this scene. We're going back and forth between Brian Dennehy, his name Bill Bob. <laughs> so we're cutting between Bill Bob, preacher, our pre- <laughs> Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So we're cutting between Bill Bob and Tubbs. Tubbs looking great in a Panama hat, white pants, patterned shirt. He's on the prowl in the red light district when Sonny is not too far along talking to two beautiful streetwalkers in very beautiful sparkly outfits. They're actually my best dressed ladies of the episode. Sorry, Gina and Trudy, I've knocked you out of this one. As Tubbs gets a very pushy and direct possible customer in this next clip. How do I know what you want? What you got? What I got is money, so don't jerk me around, good looking. Are you selling or not? And from this, we cut to Switek watching in from the surveillance van. He can get the video of Tubbs, but he can't really get the audio. So again, Tubbs is making a deal with this woman, and she wants to buy a lot. We're getting up to 2500 3000 Again, let's adjust that from 1987. That is a lot of money on drugs. That's not just like a one or two time fix. Just keep that in mind. Let's check in back with Bill Bob. Now, people, with every donation of $50 or more, I will send you my free pamphlet, which will teach you how to develop the right attitudes to have success and to feel closer to God. The pamphlet is called Developing the Right Attitudes to Have Success and Being Closer to God Through Materialism. (laughs) This is so genius because it's such a grift. If you send $50, I will send you a free pamphlet. Okay, 
And then what he's talking about that's in the pamphlet is the exact title. They didn't even try to make it anything special or spiffy. (laughs) Oh, my God. Too funny. I just love how well this is written because you can see this kind of radical honesty actually really works well in 2023. The fact that he's so transparent with the money that he wants to make and he doesn't care how it makes him sound and he thinks that makes him sound more relatable and honest because at least he is saying I'm using this money for myself I'm sure there are a lot of other evangelists who like to claim that it's for their parishioners and for the community and then sometimes when there's a hurricane and flooding they don't let people into their super church for shelter hmm maybe they also have a background in film and television and communications and wasn't their dad also in tv and also a pastor very interesting so definitely this is very much a position especially when you're an evangelist rife with corruption so i guess he's trying to just be honest with who he is. So, yeah, I guess it's not a grift if you're telling people exactly what you're doing, right? The whole point of a confidence man is that they take your money with a smile. So I guess this is really a con man if he's being straight up with, I want this money. This money is giving me money to have manicures. Must be nice. This money is giving me money to pay my mortgage on my $1.75 million 1987 Miami, you know, Art Deco house. Yeah. So, interesting. This is going to be an interesting episode to get into. But let's check back in with Tubbs. He has, again, made this deal. He pulls, again, this comical bag of drugs because the pills are so large. Have you ever played Dr. Mario, which was basically kind of like the poor man's Tetris? And it's these giant pills and you have to flip them and get them to match the same color and they would dissolve that's exactly what it looks like because in Super Smash Brothers Dr. Mario shoots out a pill that is basically the three quarters of the size of his body and this is exactly what I thought of so the bus looks like it's you know he's already kind of showed the goods right pretty easy there's video evidence hmm you busted goodbye street hello jail I've been to jail jail sucks <laughs> well she's Not wrong, but surprisingly, this doesn't end up well. She drives through an electronics store, and once Croc and Tubbs get out of the car again, she's like kind of woozy, kind of passed out. When they stand her up and lean her against a pole, juxtaposed to a video playing on the television, it's uncanny. Why, it's Bill Bob's wife, Leona. Again, they both go by the last name, Proverb. Hmm. Cuff, cut back after the intro. We are back at OCP, where Crockett and Tubbs are talking with her lawyer and her. And it seems like she is more than willing to play the card that's the closest to her sleeve, which is that she's possessed, that the devil made her do it. This isn't what she normally does. And her acting skills aren't quite up to par, but she's given it her all in this next clip. Because I got the devil in me. I'm a sinner. I know it. 
And her lawyer also tries to lay it on thick. First, he fudges the meaning of persecute versus prosecute when he's trying to get her absolved for her crimes and then kind of keeps pushing the DA until the DA kind of lays it on straight that their case is pretty solid. She's been busted three times and walked away every single time. This isn't a one-time thing. Like Crockett says, this was a selling buy. She was buying around $2,500 or $3,000 worth of drugs. So it doesn't look good at all. And then we have a little bit of foreshadowing in this next clip. Video only. Audio glitch. But the intent plus the testimony of the arresting officer, Tubbs, whose character is unimpeachable, is good enough for me. Again, look at the gallery because you have to see the size discrepancy between the DA and the defense This is like me and some of my friends. <laughs> oh, man. So uh, this is not going to end well. The defense lawyer on his way out, he once again warns OCB and Crockett and Tubbs and the rest of ICE. This will not end well. They don't want to be on the preacher's bad side because our boy, Bill Bob, I cannot get over that. He is pissed and he is going to the public and he is going to smear their name however he can through satellite TV, through trying to access as many households in the world as he can. Because good lawyers don't come cheap, people, even when they're helping servants of the Lord. So now I am asking you to dig deep. I'm asking you to reach deep into your pockets, deeper than you've ever reached before, and give the Angel of the Airwaves Defense Fund the money it needs for Leona's defense. I want you to call 1-800-555-LOVE and send what you can. So, in the name of research, I called 1-800-555-LOVE, and I got a adult chat hotline. Uh, yeah, those things still exist. That was very funny. And I kept laughing and they wouldn't uh, be able to process my answers correctly. <laughs> They're like incorrect. <laughs> so it's um, for men, women, and there's also man on man action, which is option number three. Just FYI, <laughs> they, that those still exist. <laughs> That's too funny. And it's, it's been around since the 90s. So apparently I was reading up about this, that in syndication, they would actually block out the number, this number 1-800-555-LOVE, uh, because apparently you could still use 555-1-800. I know that, you know, 555 was how you could use fake numbers. So I thought that was so funny. And apparently they blocked it out because it used to be businesses. And then I guess in the mid 90s, it went over to an adult chat and Somehow they've been making enough money to be doing it ever since. So that's very 80s, right? It wasn't too many episodes ago by Hooker by Crook that we were just dealing with this kind of adult chat line. So y'all are welcome. <laughs> now, after this taping, the wife is the only one in the audience. She's putting her makeup on. She doesn't seem too rattled. She doesn't seem too apologetic. And uh, he lays down the law with her in this next clip. Damn it, woman. I thought it was all fixed. We had your blood change in Switzerland. <laughs> There's a lot of questions I have about that. Your blood change in Switzerland, like a full body transfusion. <laughs> wow. I love that. Then he goes back out. He's talking to his crew. He takes off his jacket for his 
gold, again, tunic crossbody button shirt. I have no idea what to call these, but now I am so entranced by these objects. I cannot wait to learn more about this piece of clothing. <laughs> there is a young redhead that he's making eyes with. I legit thought that this would be a Jim Baker, Tamalyn Baker, Jessica Hahn storyline. Fortunately, it's not. But she still is uh, quite the... I was going to say lightning rod for drama in this episode, but we'll get to that in just a minute. Like, literally a minute, because Tubbs is at home. Again, we don't really get to see his apartment. I want to say maybe we've seen it one time. Whatever they are doing now with his apartment, with the green background and the glass blocks, just looks so cool. I am just totally entranced. I believe it will be the cover art episode, the cover art for this episode, because of how much I love it. Now, he gets a mysterious call from someone who wants to remain anonymous, but they're in the church. And they say that they have news that they want to reveal to Tubbs that apparently she was trying to track him down from the police department. Why they would be giving out numbers beyond me. I think they should all be unlisted because that's pretty wild. (laughs) And... She says that she has more to tell him, but that she wants to tell him in person. So he goes alone to meet her. Hmm. It's the same girl once we get to see. Tubbs again, a three-piece suit. I like how he's just at home. Let me actually look at the picture again. What is he even wearing at home? So Tubbs is relaxing at home in a dress shirt and a silver tie. As soon as I get home, I straight change straight to pajamas. So Tubbs is just always keeping it old school New York, just, you know, ready at a moment's notice. But it turns out he's ready because he has a date later. But this scene is very important and it's going to change the entire episode. And it's pretty wild. Are you the young lady I talked to on the phone? Yes. Well, got something to say. Let's hear it. I'm late for a date. It's very difficult for me to talk about this. There's a bunch of us girls who work down here as ushers for the Reverend Bill Bob. And, well, all of us are runaways from the street. You see, and the Reverend Bill Bob and Mrs. Proverb, they took us in, helped us all real good. Yeah, so? Well, my name's Faynell. Uh-huh. See, I must tell you the truth because I cannot lie. I am going to cut this short in case you're driving or with kids. She does start screaming out of nowhere and kind of like throwing herself. And then like Tubbs is kind of like holding her back, pushing her away. It doesn't look great when all of a sudden a security guard or whoever's on duty just pops out of nowhere with a gun. Uh, Tubbs ends up getting arrested and the girl was screaming rape. This does not look good. Again, he is alone, off-duty, meeting a teenager at, I believe, the television satellite studio. So we are back at Internal Affairs. We are back with our least favorite Internal Affairs detective, Stro. And Stro kind of demissive like Tubbs can kind of see what this is about Crockett can see what this is about like hmm, I wonder what the connection is oh the preacher's wife that we are actually making drug charges stick this time 
a parishioner from her church that her husband runs and is the main source of income, this obviously would be a setup. Stroh, again, hates Crockett, seems to not like Tubbs that much. So it's going to be a lot harder. So basically, Stroh says that he can have a few minutes alone with Tubbs. That'll give him some privacy while they go down and get a bite. So Crockett and Tubbs talk it over and try to make sense of what just happened. Oh, hell, Rico, they got nothing. They're fishing. Yeah, they got a bruised teenager pointing a finger at a black off-duty cop. Says I wanted to know her in the biblical way. No backup, no alibi. This is a weird frame, man. Switchboard can confirm that she placed the call. The hell do they think? One look and your libido suddenly went critical? Ooh, Crockett, that would not fly in 2023. But this is going to be very hard for Tubbs to prove. It already doesn't look good for him. Hopefully her making this call. But again, they weren't going to be tapping her phone or Tubbs's phone. Doesn't look great. And Tubbs and Crockett are walking out. Tubbs is obviously naturally really worried. Crockett's trying to reassure him. Now, as is going on, Crockett is having some mechanical trouble. Trouble with the soda machine. Trouble with what looks to be the snack or cigarette machine, but I thought Crockett quit. Then also trouble with the water fountain. But I want to play this clip because I think this is something we can all relate to at the end of 2023. But they jacked the price up two bits. You're kidding me. 75 cents for a soda was a dime when I was a kid. So adjusted for inflation, 75 cents U.S. would be the equivalent to $2.01 U.S. today. And actually, most sodas, cans are like two to three bucks. But it's funny, growing up, I remember I would go to the soda, the pop machine by the giant tiger by my grandmother's house and sodas were 50 cents Canadian because they were like RC Cola and they, they, they were like lower than RC. So it is kind of wild to see how much inflation was even a pain in the butt back then. But that frustration with all of the machines is kind of like the background fodder for a much more interesting conversation where Tubbs is trying to basically work out a motive and the more they talk about it, the more they agree that it might not be Bill Bob. It might be someone who has it out for Bill Bob. And they're, you know, trying to concoct their brains. And there is another evangelist out there that they're going to go talk to. So this is very interesting. And I'll also mention this also ruins their day is that Stro comes back early from his you know, snack break, this five minute snack break, because surveillance pictures from the studio were just sent over. And again, it doesn't look good for Tubbs because remember, Tubbs is holding her, trying to hold her back as she's thrashing and screaming rape. So this is not a great look. Oh, man. But again, like, let's dig deeper. And then when Crockett calls Castillo to let him know what it looks like, Castillo just says, like, look under every rock to be able to help Tubbs out. And we pivot from that to the girl that is claiming that Tubbs has sexually assaulted her taking a polygraph test. And Crockett is watching in. Crockett also knows the polygraph examiner. They talk. Sonny has offered her 
tickets for the next two Dolphins games for her true opinions. And she doesn't hold back. She's a fanatic. She believes she was raped. You're kidding. Three games. Three games? Were you chiseling little... All right, fine. Robert put her up to it? Hey, you're not thinking big enough. Bigger? Uh-huh. God. What were your phones? God. Through her earphones. I'm serious. She thinks this is real. She skated through the polygraph. You try to break her down, you'll dig Tubson deeper. Now, Crockett is going to go meet with this other televangelist. And there is kind of like a rivalry between them. Basically, Bill Bob is on satellite where Mather, Mason Mather, is local. So obviously there's going to be an income discrepancy. But they're getting to kind of like talk a little bit more. And Mather keeps assuring him that Proverb is a good guy. Crockett just can't believe it. But Jesus tells us to hate sin and love the sinner. I'm sure Bill Bob's heart is still pure. (laughs) Pure what? Now, speaking of Bill Bob, Tubbs makes a very unwise decision. Remember, he is facing charges and... It is known that it is possibly retaliation from the preacher and that he is not to contact the preacher. So what does he do? He goes to the preacher's house to sit down and try to talk it out. Again, Brian Dennehy, Bill Bob, is quite a savvy businessman, quite a savvy con artist, and literally gaslights Tubbs, suggests that he go to therapy And then when Tubbs kind of pushes back on, like, whether or not this claim is true, whether or not he had a part in it, he brings the law into the conversation, which Tubbs actually has a right to be worried about because he is violating rules of that he has been told. Look, I don't need a shrink. What I'd like are some straight answers right here and right now. Well, that makes two of us. Maybe I should have my lawyers call and find out why a suspended police officer is harassing me in my home. I'm not harassing I hope you won't do that, Reverend. Crockett does come at the perfect time. Tubbs is saved by the bell. And as Crockett assures Proverb that this won't happen again, he lays into, again, this egomaniacal spiel that just... A little bit comical. Here's some comic relief. This to become a battle. Almost everything does. It seems to be part of the price I have to pay. What kind of price is that? My soul. My soul in exchange for millions of souls. You see, you think you understand me, but you don't really know me at all. Nobody wants to be saved by some obscure, threadbare, raggedy-butt preacher anymore. So I'm forced to martyr myself on a cross of luxury. Again, maybe this is a testament to how great of an actor Brian Denny is. The more he lays this on, the more I am starting to buy it as a viewer. (laughs) Now... He's going to head off. His wife is there. There are cameras. 
And then as Crockett and Tubbs are leaving, the wife lays claim that on the night of her arrest, Tubbs was also trying to sexually assault her. And Tubbs has to be dragged out of the property. I would be I'd be much more pissed. Tubbs is actually being very restrained this episode. And she uses the term that he tried to pressure into lewd acts. Oh, man. So now they're going to try and follow him, proverb, and see what's really going on. So we get the Hooters song Satellite in the background as we kind of get ready and start all the trailing with Zwytek naturally in the surveillance van. And he's dressed very inconspicuously. He has a hat. He's wearing denim. He's not flashy like he is on TV. And he's not decked out in silk crossbody tunics like he was at his house with, you know, silver loafers and silver pants. He's not filled with his excess on his day off. And so Swiatek, Gina, and Trudy are watching him. And even Swiatek mentions that he's dressed like a couch. And... Yeah, this is very interesting. And then when they get back to OCB and break it down, Trudy, again, looking amazing in this coral top and white skirt. She is killing it this season. She looks so hot. They are giving her less lines, which I don't like, but I think that's why her wardrobe is like, well, we're going to make it worth their while. <laughs> if you're going to get five minutes of screen time, we're going to go all out because she looks amazing. So it turns out that he looks like this, going undercover, under the radar, to actually do charitable, hospitable work without fanfare. It's like, who is this guy? Everyone's very confused. And now Crockett, again, listening back to what Mather said, that his heart is pure. Crockett's kind of believing it, and so am I. Oh, man. So with this, they're, again, trying to go every single route they can. I guess doing a little bit of research, they found a guy that's a little bit connected to Mather and a little bit connected to Proverb. It is very hard for me to say that. That his last name is Proverb. We are introduced to Fast Eddie, who you might know now as Ben Stiller. But he is killing it. Let's hear his sales pitch. I know what you're thinking. Why do I need to go into that cross? I got a cross, right? Nighttime, pal. God can't see in the dark, right? Also, you got an electrical storm or something. It's brewing. It's fr- you're frightened. It's scared. And all of a sudden, the lights come down. Oh, you want to go pray? You want to go pray for the lights come back? And you can't find it. There it is. Right there. Go in the dark. Gives you around the clock. 24-hour night and day protection. I give you 19.95 for the whole... Okay. You're twisting my arm. It's twisting my arm. Glow in the dark cross of Azusa's eye. Love it. Now, when Crockett and Tubbs come, they are pressing on this mail fraud charge, which actually sent Fast Eddie, again, to minimum security prison, but still sent him to prison. And they do get him to talk. And he spills the beans. Like, uh, if Reverend Bill Bob Proverb got in deep trouble, who smiles the brightest? It's easy, Mason Mather. Mather? Wait a minute, I talked to him. He admits to being second fiddle. He's got no problem with that. You telling me there's more to it? The big gig. Gigahertz, microwaves. Come on, get hit to the new time religion, guys. When Bill Bob Proverb decided to go on the bird, the satellite, Mason Mather took a pass. Now, without a slice, his ticket to Washington politics is null and void. I thought everybody used it. <laughs> Not at first. Mason Mather didn't want his holy words and images traveling through the same microchips as the bunny channel. 
why doesn't he get it now? No room at the inn. I mean, he's got a local show, but you can't book a satellite frequency to save your soul. He's stuck mailing tapes up and down the Bible Belt, bicycling them like 10 years ago. Only way Mason Mather can get on the bird is to knock Billy Bob Proverb off of it. Ooh, like every great villain in the 1980s, there was a white turtleneck involved. Willem Dafoe to live and die in L.A., and now Mather. Ooh, this is very interesting. So Crockett and Tubbs naturally try to go see Mather. His uh, assistant basically tells him to pound sand that they're not going to be able to get through to him, that he's heightening his spirituality, to which Tubbs retorts, I'll heighten your spirituality. (laughs) That's amazing. So the assistant keeps going on when Crockett tries to press back and say, like, look, this is a this is a court issue. And he's like, you don't have a warrant. You don't have any papers that will make me change my mind. So fair enough. So at this hotel bar. Now, I actually looked at this bar used to exist. It was called Tropics International, International Tropics. I was trying to see if they were like burlap bags on the back of the bar. If they were trying to be rocks, were they sandbags? Like it's a very weird aesthetic they have going on. There is a music video playing Crockett asked the bartender to switch over to the channel that Mather's assistant told them to tune into at a certain time at 10 o'clock. They want to see what's going on. Again, groans in the bar because obviously it's 10 o'clock. Who wants to watch a televangelist? But this is where it gets juicy. Mather publicly declares on television that proverb, his rival will be gone in a few hours that'll be struck down with fire and lightning from God. And it doesn't even say two hours. It's like two hours and 10 minutes. Like it is very, very, very specific. Then at the end, Mathers faints, falls down on camera and later on is revealed that he is in a coma. You cannot see my air quotation marks, but I will say it again. Coma. Let's go check in with Bill Bob. Police have swarmed his studio. There is surveillance all around. And Bill Bob refuses not to do his live show. So he is going to do it come H-E double hockey sticks or high water, as he would say. And he's saying on the air, like, do you see any lightning strikes? Do you see any fire? Do you see me getting, you know, smited down by the hand of God? And, well, with that, we see lightning strike the satellite dish, and then the entire studio, the electronics start cracking, popping, fizzing. hes I'm very surprised he's not electrocuted, because you see kind of, like, sparks go off behind him. You see squiggles go off behind him. The TVs are exploding. Basically, the whole studio is getting cooked from the inside without an open flame. Every elect- every source of electricity is exploding. So it is very serious. And just before we get back and check on him, Crockett and Tubbs try to check in with Mather at the hospital. Because remember, they just saw him fainting on camera. His goon, the one that told them to tune in to the show, is there with the doctor. And turns out that he's been in a coma since last night. So he couldn't have been responsible for what happened with the studio. However, it looks a little bit suspicious, right? Being told you'll be smoted by the hand of God by fire and lightning for your transgressions. And then having this happen just seems very interesting. So now let's check back. The studio is burned. Leona is high. 
Bill Bob is wondering who is supposed to be looking out for her. What's going on? And Bill Bob thinks that it's a breaker issue or some kind of sabotage when Switek actually confirms the latter, brings what was a metal lunchbox that was in the microwave. And when it turns out that it's a liverwurst and onion sandwich, or I think it's just a liverwurst sandwich, Bill Bob knows exactly who it was. This also gets interesting when Bill Bob mentions that Mason or Mason Mather tends to have these comas very regularly, like every six months. So this is quite interesting. So after they kind of want to dig in a little bit more on Becker, Crockett follows him to a nice hotel patio, asks the server there with beautiful long black hair. He does look great. Should best hair be a new category? I know this is a little bit late in the game on season four to be adding new categories, but I think maybe I can like retroactively do it, but I like it. So Crockett gets pointed to a table. There is a guy in a Panama hat, a guy with a long curly ponytail and a girl in a swimsuit. He asks if Becker's around or who's Becker. And then when they say who's asking, pulls out his badge, Becker flips the table and runs off and Crockett mutters, oh, was it something I said? There is also a great gif of Tubbs running after Becker up the stairs, the outside stairs of this hotel. Looks super cool. So again, they rough him up a little bit. They get some answers out of him. Turns out he, like Mac and Always Sunny, is uh, playing both sides. I'm playing both sides so that I always come out on top. That is a big deal when you're on double payrolls, huh? It was just a stunt. I lower the average so no one would get hurt. Are you the one that talked a girl into yelling rape? I just rewired the walk, man. Now that did all the talking, he, he told her to stage it. He said the Lord would protect her. Yeah, what do you think? You think we'd eat each other alive and I, come out the window, huh? I don't know. Then after when they cool off, Crockett asks him again, like, why would you blow up the station? And he basically just says, like, he received $20,000 and he was just going to do with it. So now they want to go check in with Mather. It turns out Mather is on the loose, climbing the transmitter tower. It is not looking good. I do. Go down and call the fire department, tell them we got a jumper. No, we don't have time. They broadcast paramedics and medevac as far as Fort Lauderdale from there. That tower's got 10,000 watts of power. Somebody just keys the mic inside. You know all that. Night school. There is life after vice. I do really love that. There is life after vice. Again, Crockett, don't make this your whole end all be all. But a uh, little, let's let's stop foreshadowing. <laughs> let's get back to the at hand. So basically, there's kind of like nothing they can really do. They try to call him down. They ask if he can come down and talk to his partner. Crockett asks that so he can come down and talk to Tubbs if he doesn't want to talk to Crockett himself. But it seems like there is no stopping this man. He's talking about getting closer and, you know, going, reaching for the bosom of God, hanging off with one hand, grabbing both. And I guess he grabs the wrong spot and you can hear him get electrocuted on the tower. So that is the end of Mather, unfortunately. But let's check in and go back to Bill Bob. He is once again on air. And again, this man, you cannot keep him down. The studio was burned. 
all the electronics are blown up. Once again, he's still asking for money for those legal fees for Leona's drug problem. Oh, sorry, not her drug charge. Also treatment for her drug problem. And because they can only afford one microphone, they play the world's smallest violin. If you want to send us a few dollars, that's fine. And if you don't, we still love you and bless you. Now, with the last few seconds of this, this little message, I'd like to hear Leona sing. How about you? Darling, go ahead. I'm, I'm sorry, darling. Forgive me, folks. I, I forgot we, we can only afford the one microphone. Go ahead. <sighs> right? I don't know. Maybe just sell one of those suits or mortgage your house or sell one of the cars. But again, the con just goes on as we are serenaded out of the episode. Crockett and Tubbs are at o- are, uh, at OCB watching None Too Please as she starts singing again. Together as one We'll stand for the world to see Together as one Now, keep in mind, this is a live telethon, you know, like the ones with PBS, except that was actually for the good. This is just to light his pockets. So when we get her starting her song. And again, she does have a wonderful voice. Anita Hill is actually like a trained dramatic singer with a successful acting career. So you see 000.00 as the initial donation. Is that 000 kind of subliminal? Like you should be donating like a hundred bucks or something. You don't want to look cheap. Then as Crockett and Tubbs continue watching on, again, you can see all the different files and folders in the background. You have B&E, you have Arson, they're also kind of color-coordinated. Tubbs, his tie matches Crockett's shirt. And then before Crockett and Tubbs give up, the tally on the screen is $142,564.00. One good thing about TV, you can always turn it off. And with that full circle, the end of the episode. Now, this episode definitely ripped from the headlines because the whole Jim Baker, Tammy, Faye Baker, Jessica Hahn, again, actual sexual assault, again, covered up with hush money from his church. That was revealed in March of 1987. However, at the time, the details weren't really known from what I've heard. I was not alive. And that they assumed, the public assumed that it was a consensual affair. And so she was a little bit vilified and Tammy Faye stuck by with Jim after the scandal for a little bit. But yeah, having her kind of come out and realize that this was not a consensual act and that she was indeed paid off for her silence. And she was very young at the time and he was a, a man of great authority and great money with his televangelist career. And there was a lot of press about the ways that the baker flaunted their money. Again, I have read and researched that they weren't as opulent as these characters. But again, in the press in the 1980s, they were definitely picked apart as 
you should be. I'm sorry if you're going to be a television evangelist, a televangelist. Not really feeling too sorry for you in your income. But I remember there was something like they had air conditioning for the dog houses. I'm like, okay, that actually makes sense if you live in the South. But that's not something that lots of people can afford. So I understand. And like Tammy Faye, again, she seemed like a nice woman. But at the end of the day, it's like you're still. uh, This is, you know, just it's not a happy road to go down and seem like, you know, she unfortunately bore the brunt of it just because of like the way she looked and her makeup so it is actually a very long complicated story there was a great episode of the podcast you're wrong about where they did do a lot of deep diving and research into this to really expose what actually transpired versus what was reported on you know in the late 80s so quite interesting because this is definitely giving those vibes that's exactly what i thought about it and i also thought of jill austin his Arena, but with that, I digress. Let's get down into fashion. Because, like I said, the best dressed women of this episode naturally going to go to the ladies of the night that Crocker was talking to, both in different sparkly bandeau tops, tube tops, one in green, one in purple, with kind of like a matching purple necklace, which I really liked. Crockett, that mix of white and green, I want to say kind of like a Kelly emerald green, really makes his eyes and his skin pop. Then our wild card, none other than Bill Bob Proverb. I cannot say that without laughing. Brian Dennehy just pulling off a tunic shirt dress like any burly, intimidating six foot three man could. I do love it. Now, best decor is going to be Tubbs' apartment, like I said, with the glass blocks and the green light behind it. And then the internal decor of the studio as well. I thought they could have gone a little bit more over the top. I thought there would be more couches and having it more of a communal event, but I guess this really just kind of made him seem like a showman. And that's what his messaging was, which I thought was very interesting. Now we'll pivot again, go to music. So we actually get two Anita Morris originals. She is Leona Proverb, the wife. Like I said, she was actually like a very accomplished, talented performer. We have wrapped up which is when she drives into the electronic store and then together at as one at the end where they're just sharing the one microphone because they're so poor. Help me, I'm poor. <laughs> we also have Satellite by the Hooters. That was during the little, you know, tailing surveillance when Bill Bob was going undercover. The one I forgot to include was the song playing at the bar before that changed. I thought I had it saved. I already put everything away. Long story, I had all my media ready to go. It's like, ah. Is that one. So I do apologize. That was Black Book by Rank and File. Now as we wrap this episode, I don't have that much vice tea for anyone on this episode. Ben Stiller, I don't want to give out any unverified vice tea. I've heard that possibly very unpleasant to work with, but I'm also a very big fan of Severance that he is directing. So I'm actually liking this pivot in screw. Obviously, he is near and dear to me as Zoolander, one of my favorite movies of all time that I still quote on a daily basis. But it is funny to see him here so baby-faced, and he really does give Fast Eddie that give it all performance. He only has a little bit of screen time and he takes all the way. This episode though, we have heavyweights. Like everybody who is having a bit part 
is going above and beyond. Everyone is acting their hearts out. Brian Dennehy, of course, passed away in 2020. My favorite role of his is in Tommy Boy as the dad. Uh, he also plays a really big jerk cop in Rainbow First Blood. Or just First Blood, not Rainbow First Blood. Because there's First Blood, then there's Rainbow First Blood Part 2. And they are very different movies. <laughs> And again, we have Stro, our least favorite internal affairs agent. And we also have James Tolkien, who was in the Back to the Future franchises. And he looks familiar and he's still alive and still acting to this day. I want to say he was born in 1931. So his last acting role was in 2020 in the Back to the Future fan remake. And he was in Bone Tomahawk in 2015. Oh, he was... Oh, I was going to say, there's this Phil Spector TV movie that I'm looking at his IMDb right now. And it says he's the judge. I was like, oh my God, if he was Phil Spector, that would be amazing. (laughs) And with that, we are wrapping up this week in Vice and Easy. Want to thank you all for liking, for subscribing, for leaving five-star reviews, for telling your friend. We are going to get through season four and we're going to make it the best we can. I know the next few episodes I've heard are the worst of all time, but let's let's enjoy it. It's like hate watching. You know, when you watch something bad, just so you can talk to your friends about it or listen to a podcast about it. That's exactly what I'm here for. Find me on all things social at Vice and Easy Podcast. And programming note, it is Thanksgiving. I'm going to try to put out an episode, but... Funnily enough, this is the most California thing I'll ever say. This 10 freeway closure is actually wreaking havoc on all of our lives for anyone who needs to commute to work. Or even just needs to do anything. Because every other highway, every other surface street is packed. So things have been a little stressful lately. We'll see if that Thanksgiving episode comes out. But I hope so, because I'd like to be in your ears at this Thanksgiving with possibly the worst episode of my advice of all time. Breaking it down. Making a laugh on the road. So with that, thank you so much for listening. And... And see you next time, as always. Hey, man, Miami Wise is number one new show.